said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous people is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him, what if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. Thanks, Elizabeth. Good evening. I'm Sam, and it's great to see you, great to be with you. On a cold, dark September evening in 2018, I set out for a run. Uh, I'd just arrived with some friends uh, in Abersock, North Wales, where uh, my family have often holidayed. Beautiful place. Um, I'd motorbiked down, and it'd been the wettest, windiest day of the year. And, uh, and I told my friends that I'd just go out for a little half an hour, 5K, back in plenty of time for dinner. A couple hours later, I returned home, windswept and soaked through with a mixture of relief and frustration, anger, 
and was told that the search party would be called off. And sure enough, my brother and, uh, and good friend Will uh, were messaged, they were phoned, they're, Sam's safe, he's back, don't worry. In the back of my mind, I had known that there was a half marathon some of my friends were doing, I think perhaps back in London that day. I'd wanted to sort of do something, I was kind of itching, you know, motorbiking is, is strenuous, but it's not quite like going for a good run. Um, so I said, oh, I'll just, I'll just go out for, you know, half an hour, knowing full well in my head that I was planning to do a thorough exploration of the, uh, the Abbasoc coastline. Um, why did I do that? Well, it was about confidence, wasn't it? It was about trust. It's about whether I felt able to share my plans. And tonight we are starting a new series. This is our first in a series on prayer. This isn't an abstract study, but a series looking at people in prayer. As we read scripture, we discover one precious golden thread that runs through the Bible is that each of the major characters has a prayer life. We all have a desire to pray, to connect to something, someone bigger, to connect to God. And over the next few weeks, we're going to eavesdrop in on some of the great moments, the precious moments of prayer. We'll be like a fly on the wall, hiding just out of sight as the heroes of the faith speak to God in some of their most intimate moments. And the hope is that we'll glean a few precious lessons along the way. We join Abraham in his 100th year, near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, in the land of Canaan. Would you pray with me as we begin? Heavenly Father, would you take us deeper into your heart this evening? Would you increase our ease in your presence tonight? Amen. Amen. There are three things the Lord wants us to know and to enjoy this evening. That he takes the initiative in prayer, that he takes us into his confidence, and that he invites us to approach and to scrutinize. So the first thing we see in this passage is the wonderful truth that he takes, God takes the initiative in prayer. He takes the first step, revealing himself to us. As we think about prayer over the next few weeks, it's easy to get into a self-help mindset, thinking if only I could do better, try harder, pray a bit longer or more eloquently. But in this passage, God takes the pressure right off. He reassures us that it's he who initiates. We see that right at the start. Then the Lord said, that's how it begins. There are three men with Abraham. We know that one is referred to as the Lord and two others, it turns out, are angels. Abraham's politely seeing his mysterious guests off and we hear the Lord's musings as if he's thinking aloud. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Why would he do that? Well, as we see, perhaps because it would challenge Abraham. It might appear unsavory. Abraham might not be ready yet, not mature enough yet to grapple with and grasp God's justice and its outworking. 
As we read these first few chapters of Genesis, we learn that a lot rests on Abraham's shoulders. A lot rests on the relationship between God and Abraham. And revealing his next steps, God might jeopardize that precious relationship. And with it, his whole master plan of salvation, not just for Abraham and his family, but for the nations. Yet as the story unfolds, it would appear that God decides to share his plan, possibly for the very reason that he spells out as we continue to hear his thoughts. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. All nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he's promised him. The Lord has big plans for Abraham and it's like he's giving him a tutorial in justice, in how to live right. And he initiates every step along the way. So the first step, taking that first step, is the Lord's prerogative and it's our responsibility to respond. I was chatting to a couple recently who met on the dating app Bumble. The one-line summary on the site's Google Um, results reads as follows Bumble has changed the way people date create meaningful relationships and network with women making the first move meet new people download Bumble some of us are better at taking the initiative than others some find it harder work but however easy we find it if it's always us in a friendship or in our friendship group taking the initiative if it's always us reaching out always us making the effort to pin people down and meet up. It gets tiring, doesn't it? The best friendships are the ones that are mutual, where we look out for each other. But the good news here is that God goes even further. It's he who takes the initiative. He makes the first move. Our relationship with him doesn't rest entirely on our shoulders. The Lord has initiated, taken that first step, and it's our responsibility, our joy to respond He's taken the first step in sending his son Jesus, in giving us his word and in having his good news preached to us, spoken into our lives. So the good news is that we don't have to strive to put ourselves in the right place. We don't have to strive to reach a certain moral standard before we can turn to God in prayer. He takes the first step. The second thing the Lord wants us to see in this passage tonight is the incredible truth that he takes us into his confidence. Having, it seems, mused out loud whether to share his plans with Abraham, it appears he goes ahead and decides to reveal his hand. Here God takes a big step. He's appeared to Abraham several times before, He's promised blessing. He's promised a son from from whom will come descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky. And so far, their relationship has largely revolved around those promises, those blessings. It's been Abraham and God. But here he takes a huge step, sharing with Abraham his plans further afield. Abraham knows from those previous interactions that God is kind, generous, faithful, But here, all that is challenged. 
Then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I'll go down and see if what they've done is as bad as the cry that has reached me. If not, I'll know. The clear implication of this outcry, if found to be true and accurate, is that it requires action. It requires judgment. God can't just sit back and let it slide. And with this disclosure, the Lord crosses a line in their relationship. This revelation is a trickier one to swallow. How will Abraham process the news? There might be discomfort, but the incredible truth underlying this unease is that the Lord condescends to take us into his confidence. He doesn't need to share his plans with Abraham. He doesn't owe Abraham anything. He doesn't need Abraham's seal of approval to go ahead. No, but he chooses to reveal his heart. And just to touch on a couple of things that would be easy to skip over. The reason the Lord gives for his investigation is this outcry. The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous. The Lord is responding to allegations, reports of gross misconduct, injustice. And what's his response? Does he react offhand and bring judgment without a second thought? Does he pass it off with a, um, as a blasé outcry? Or, sorry, a blasé outcry, schmoutcry, sin, schmin, like he doesn't care? No, neither. Both would be equally outrageous and unworthy of God. Astonishingly, he says, I will go down and see if what they've done is as bad as the outcry that's reached me. He will go himself. He will see, he'll verify, will investigate. This one has been escalated right to the top and he doesn't delegate it all the way back down, but goes himself gives the, and gives the reassurance, if not, I'll know. He's not going to be fooled. He's not gonna stop short of a thorough, complete investigation, turning everything upside down. And he's ready to be proved wrong. He's ready to find that this outcry is disproportionate. If so, he will know. He'll set the record straight. And with this disclosure, the Lord takes Abraham into his confidence. You see, he doesn't want Abraham to be just a yes man. He shares his heart. And in so doing, he invites Abraham to become more, to be a friend and a partner. As I alluded to at the start, it can be scary when it comes to sharing your plans with others. Maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're very happy to go ahead, go ho and share whatever thoughts, ideas are on your mind and in your heart. But if you've been nurturing a dream then you might wonder what reaction it will receive when you speak it out to a friend or a loved one in being shared there's that risk that we'll all have faced of rejection if that's your plan if that's what you're pursuing I don't think this is going to work I'm out of here or humiliation you what do you realize how ridiculous you sound it'll never work Betrayal, 
You won't believe what Sam told me the other day. But there's also the potential for the sweetest of things, for acceptance. Amazing, I love that. I can see you pursuing that. There's potential for collaboration and encouragement. How can I be part of fulfilling that dream? One of the scariest moments of my life was asking if I could have a conversation with my now wife, Claire's parents. There was sort of much sort of scheming as to when, when would work, when would be a good moment to, to get them both. And as I sort of did life with Claire and her family, she was staying there and I'd often visit, I kind of realized that in the week, the sweet spot was sort of first thing Saturday morning when her parents were kind of up and busy kind of doing the shopping before Claire was sort of active. But it's scary having to open your mouth. It's scary having to convene that, that meeting, start that conversation. Um, but that's what it takes, isn't it? They could, have, they could have laughed in my face. They could have said, are you joking? That'll, that'll never work. She'll never say yes. They could, have, they could have laughed. They could have you know, rejected any idea of me being part of their family. But, as I say, we're now married, so it happened and it went all right. And one of Claire's first questions when I asked her to marry me was, did you check with my parents? So, worth asking. But perhaps there's a qualification that you'd love to pursue, a career you'd love to explore. Maybe there's a country you'd really like to visit or a skill that you'd love to learn. Sharing our plans, our hearts, taking someone into our confidence comes with a huge risk. But it's the only way we know, it's the only way to deepen that friendship. In John 15, 15, Jesus says to his disciples, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, has called us friends. He's taken us into his confidence. He calls you and me here tonight, friend. The third thing that we see is the amazing truth that God invites us to approach and to scrutinize. It's easy to think that we need to keep a distance from God, either because he's holy and we're not, or because he's just indifferent towards us, aloof from us. If we want to approach, maybe we need to go via someone or something else. And even if we were allowed to approach, we don't tend to think we can question God's ways, do we? Isaiah's words come to mind. As the, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And with that, we accept that God's ways are something of a mystery, and of course they are. Yet that doesn't put Abraham off inquiring further. The two other men head off. But Abraham remains standing before the Lord. Perhaps the Lord can see Abraham's internal struggle. The cogs turning and grinding. Until Abraham takes that decisive and climactic action and steps forward he could have run off he could have fled he could have curled up in into a ball like a hedgehog 
and given up on this God. But out it comes. Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Of course, Abraham didn't have the Bible. He didn't have, uh, he hadn't read a single chapter. He didn't have Isaiah to sort of whisper wisdom in his ear. All he knew was from God's coming into his life and revealing himself to him along the way. In response to God's plan, Abraham bursts out, will you really? He can't believe it. All he knew or thought he knew about God is at risk of collapsing. And the number game begins as we heard read. What if there are 50 people, 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Abraham isn't bartering. The stakes are too high and he has nothing to offer. Rather, he's questioning God's justice, God's mercy. How many righteous people would it take for God to spare the whole city? Abraham trusts that whatever God promises here, he'll do. The Lord replies, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I'll spare the whole place for their sake. That's generous justice, isn't it? That's mercy. He's not saying, no, no, Abraham, the way it works is that there's a scale of good and bad, and I'm going to hold it up, and I'll put Sodom on you know, one side, or they're good here and they're bad there, and we'll see which one teeters heavier. He doesn't say, no, it needs to be a majority. It needs to be 51% good people for me, to, for me to step in and save them. No, he's saying, for the sake of a mere 50 people, not many more than are here tonight, he would spare the whole city. Imagine that in the scale of our city, just 50 of us, and the Lord would spare the whole city. But Abraham goes further. What about 45? And six times he asks, 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. Commentators speculate, perhaps he's been sort of counting, maybe in that moment before he approached the Lord, he was counting on his two hands, Lot's family, his uh, cousin's family, and how many people there are. We know from the, the way the story goes, there are at least um, six involved in that family, but potentially there are a few other sons and daughters that aren't, aren't explicitly mentioned. Or perhaps 10 represents Abraham's wider concern for the city, not just his relative's family. All through this exchange, as repetitive as it seems, the Lord shows no sign of anger or frustration or tedium. He doesn't say, come on, Abraham, get to the point. I've got, I've got a job to do. Each time, very patiently, he promises, for their sake, I will not destroy the city. He has nothing to fear, nothing to hide. He's not a dodgy dealer, a corrupt copper, or a shocking CEO. If we examine his numbers, you won't find anything amiss. One of my friends recently took a job with a national company. He'd been self-employed in the sector for a number of years. And uh, you know, life, life had changed, and he thought it'd be good to be employed and uh, to have the structure and the security that brings. But a couple of months in, about month two or three, um, I think they'd just, you know, just been paid the last month. And to his surprise, he was paid again a, a week, two weeks later, um, completely out of the blue. Very nice. Who'd complain? So, you know, he speaks to his colleagues. Have you, have, you, have you been paid for, you know, for this month? Have you been paid twice? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we've, we've all been paid. 
bizarre. I don't know if you've ever had that blessing. But what happened was then there was an email that was sent around all the employees saying, sorry, you know, a bit of a, a, bit of a fumble, you know, we've all paid you twice, yeah, we'll, we'll sort it out. Okay. And then sort of an hour or so later, this Wednesday morning, another email goes around saying the business has been declared, you know, bankrupt, it's gone into administration, everyone stop what you're doing, put your tools down, you know, return your equipment to base um, and go home. It turned out the, the CEO had been sort of siphoning money off and buying helicopters and doing things that he shouldn't have been doing. And he fled. And as far as I know, is still on the run. And uh, I think it was an act of kindness of whoever was in charge of the, the payroll that they paid everyone before kind of everything stopped and everything shut. The Lord is kind. But the Lord isn't like that. He's not like a CEO siphoning money off. He is more like a father, our heavenly father indeed, more like a thorough judge, not dismissing offhand or judging by appearances, but diligently probing the evidence. He's like a father training his son for the family business. This is the way that we do things. This is how we run the business. This is how we treat people. So what? What does this mean for our lives? It means, and I think we, we learn as we look at prayers in the Bible, it means we don't have to hold back from God. We don't have to say the right things. It means that in those moments where we're not sure whether to turn to God or turn away from him, we can, we can lean in, we can take those questions, that, that discomfort to God. We can say, will you really, is that really what you've said is this really your plan he longs to go deeper with us at the heart of prayer is relationship and God longs to to journey with us and to take us deeper he takes the initiative he takes us into his confidence he invites us to approach we can scrutinize his plans and his ways as he reveals his heart to us Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful truths that you reveal about yourself in this passage. Thank you that like Abraham, you have chosen us. You know us. And you long for us to be your friends, your partners. Take us deeper, we pray. Enlarge our vision of you and your plans and your purposes, your heart and your generous compassion and justice. Lord, where we're wrestling or want to wrestle with you, would you draw us gently into your arms? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for that, Sam. Um, I just wanted to give us an opportunity for anyone who would like to respond um, to that word, particularly on that point of where you might sense God's invite um, to come closer into his confidence. Because the temptation can be to think, well, God is off um, enjoying angel song or uh, you know, helping super holy people. Uh, but the God of the Bible cares about the details of your life. He cares about your concerns. 
Um, it might just be about recognizing that God invites you to ask your questions. But as we worship, if you do want to pray, do just come and um, ask Sam and I. We'll just be over here and we'd love to pray for you if there's anything that um, the talk has brought up. So let's worship the Lord together.
lay my head and I will sing of the goodness of God. I know my life you have been faithful. I know my life you have been so, so like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God In all my life you have been faithful In all my life you have been so so much for how good you've been to us, for how faithful you are. Lord, as we go into the week ahead, we pray we'd go with that promise ringing in our ears and all that Sam was teaching us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please do be seated. 
That's uh, the end of the service, but we'd love it if you'd stay around as well, particularly if you're new. Um, we have, we've got hot drinks, I can see. There's uh, Diet Coke and other bits, but yeah, do mill around. We'd love to connect with you, especially if you're new um, here. Well, can I say a final blessing over us, and then we'll, and then we'll go do that. May the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Deeper than I've ever known. Oh, and all my fear, oh, and every chain is gone. Looks like the winds have come.